Hare mai, Daring Poppy listeners. Today's Saturday, the 16th of May, 2020. Thanks for linking in again, and I hope you aren't reeling in too much shock out there, given these shocking times we're living in. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard, and if you've only if you've caught up, that's great with other episodes. Um, if you're new and not aware of what's been happening here, I'm sure by the end of this podcast you'll be going back and delving a bit deeper, so let me leave that with you. There's been uh, yeah, depth charges let off left, right and centre over the last few days. What with my provocative I Pet Goat 2 episode and then hearing all of the spine-chilling laws that our parliamentarian leaders are rushing through. It feels like the whole world is in free fall. So where and how we land is yet to be known. I trust all you wonderful listeners out there in Wonderland are working steadily away with information that you are garnering from this hub, maxing out the potential and making your own unique discoveries. It's a wonderful feeling when you experience the empowerment of awareness. When I reinforce the statement, knowledge is power, it refers to the energy you harness from a sense of awareness. It strengthens your inner resolve, your core. This is why core values are so important, because they help bring out the best in people. Now would be an opportune time to reflect on the National Council of Women's Middle Class Ethic, which is based on self-improvement and to engender self-respect by fostering independence. The awareness gained from such core values is the key to determining any given outcome. This is a simple equation based on the theory, consciousness informs our perception of reality or forewarned is forearmed, to put it bluntly. Let us not forget the sneaky, slippery sleight of hand that is playing out in our midst, the one that prematurely declared our nation in lockdown status, the invisible enemy at our door that continues to erode the confidence of our people, spinning a false narrative based on fear, with no real end in sight. It's what you call being held ransom. This weaves in with the tragedy of the Machiavellian manipulation using the old confusion of principles trick, whereby there is no understanding between those who speak the same language and share the same interests. Please don't forget what I said in episode one about this rich man's trick being a pay-to-play cult. As individual sentient beings, we have a choice, and that choice is only a thought away, a decision of sorts that is made in your mind. That thought manifests when you consciously decide not to buy into a lie anymore. And when you stop buying into this particular lie, It's game over for the gangsters who are trying to run the show. Much like a magician who won't pull the crowds if people figure out how he or she performs their tricks, the value ceases to exist and the trickery is rendered impotent 
People will choose not to buy a ticket to that magician's show and move on. So I hope I'm making things crystal clear. Crystal being the operative word. Okay, so in today's podcast, I aim to raise awareness with regard to amendments made to critical legislation over the last two decades in New Zealand that has not served the best interest of our nation, but rather eroded the higher ground achieved by the suffragette movement. Please remember this tall poppy's frame of reference is all about protecting the home front, maintaining safety and well-being, and preserving freedom. Please remember this monster that we are all up against wages war on traditional values. These forces have been after our children all along. Children are their prized possession, as disclosed in the Out of Shadows documentary. I'll be sure to include this invaluable documentary again in today's links. We are currently witnessing the most blatant form of home invasion, the side of the black stump, lest we forget. So without further ado, let's launch into episode 14's examination of New Zealand's three female Prime Ministers, commencing in year 1997. It is important to note that Jenny Shipley was not the duly elected Prime Minister of New Zealand. Jim Bolger was the duly elected National Party leader. He was in his second term of office in 1997 with two more years of leadership ahead. While Jim Bolger was out of the country, Jenny Shipley formed a coup with fellow ministers. Jim Bolger was pressured to stand down, leaving Jenny Shipley to make, take the National Party reins and lead our country through to the 1999 elections. During these remaining two years of national leadership, the legal, the legal drinking age was lowered from 20 to 18. Please make sure you read the Beehive Archive link in the description. It brings a deeper insight into Mrs Shipley's reasoning and motives for endorsing these radical changes in legislation. I may even take the time to read that out on a future podcast because... Um, Speaking it out loud, you know, brings it out, so I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, anyhow, today, this amendment was passed into law on the 29th of July, 1999, and has proven to be one of the most destructive law amendments in our country's history. This sacred land and her people continue to be haunted by the carnage and misery this law change inflicted on New Zealand society this day. Now would be an opportune time to reflect back to 1917 in honour of the suffragette legacy that championed for the responsible sale and consumption of alcohol. Let's endeavour to uphold this thought as we examine a few facts and statistics. From 1917 onwards, drinking establishments were legally required to close their doors by 6pm. It was more commonly referred to as six o'clock closing. This law was introduced during the First World War, partly as an, an, partly as an attempt to improve public morality and partly as a, as a war austerity measure. 
It was made permanent in 1919 owing to pressure from the then powerful temperance movement. During the significant part of the 20th century, a new drinking culture emerged. This culture is more commonly referred to as the six o'clock swill and developed during the time between finishing work at 5pm and the mandatory closing time only an hour later. While the new law was supposed to curb drunkenness and crime and to send men home early to encourage family life, it in fact had the opposite effect. It created a culture of binge drinking, where men would finish work at 5pm, which only gave them one hour to drink as much alcohol as possible before closing time. In a national referendum in 1967, voters supported to move to 10 o'clock closing, and the swill ended on the 9th of October 1967, which was under the direction of a national government. Finally, the late 1960s and early 1970s noted the rise of the overseas experience, where young New Zealanders travelled and lived and worked overseas, predominantly in Europe. As a cultural phenomenon, the overseas experience predates the rise of New Zealand's premium wine industry. By the late 1960s, a distinctly New Zealand identity had developed and the passenger jet made the overseas experience possible for large numbers of New Zealanders who experienced firsthand the premium wine cultures of Europe. Until the 1990s, off-license alcohol sales were restricted to hotels and bottle shops, and also private clubs were allowed to sell alcohol for take-home consumption. In 1990, supermarkets were granted permission to sell wine, but not beer. But under amendments made in 1999, supermarkets and some smaller grocers now had permission to extend their liquor licenses to sell beer as well as wine. By 1999, legislation also legalised the sale of alcohol on Sundays for the first time in nearly 120 years. In 1999, the legal purchasing age was lowered from 20 to 18, at which it remains despite several calls and attempts at legislation to raise it. So there you have it. In 1999, just as the leadership baton got passed from Jenny Shipley to Labour leader Helen Clark, the writing was on the wall. Our babies had begun to be thrown out with the bathwater, as I call it. Which brings me to Prime Minister Helen Clark's most outstanding legacy, as far as I am concerned. This second consecutive female Prime Minister dissolved New Zealand's Plunkett line. Now would be a good time to remember the New Zealand Plunkett Society was established in 1917 and is the same primary maternity support service that Kate Shepherd and the National Council of Women oversaw. Before I continue, please make sure you wonderful listeners out there read the New Zealand Herald articles linked in the description. There's plenty more to read between the lines. This reveals just how long this agenda has been in the making, if you get my drift. 
Over the next several years, by 2007, under Helen Clark's prime ministerial leadership, this 24-hour service, often described as a lifesaver by new mums, was swallowed up by a service which dealt with all health ailments. Plunkett Line, an 0800 service giving parents direct access to nurses trained in child health, got absorbed into Healthline, which is instead run by the Health Ministry and deals with a wide range of health inquiries. Let me take the liberty to read from one of those Herald articles in 2004. Bearing in mind this is three years before the line was officially axed. ACT MP Heather Roy said the proposed move was widely acknowledged as a death knell for the invaluable service and accused the government of hypocrisy over its intentions. She went on to say, this isn't the first time Plunkett Line has been in dire straits, having lost its funding in 1997 Private funding tied it over until February 1999, at which point Labour began using the issue as a populist election platform during the, 19, pardon, during the 1999 election campaign. Mrs Roy went on to say, Helen Clark and Labour, Minister, Labour Health Minister Annette King pledged that, once in office, they would ensure Plunkett Line never closed due to lack of funding. However, they had never said anything about absorbing it into Healthline, which is run by McKesson's, an Australian United States company. Roy went on to say that Miss Clark said during the 1999 election campaign that she would really like to get cracking and build up the Plunkett Line again into a 24-hour service. Isn't it interesting that this Act MP, Mrs Roy, made reference to Plunkett Line being in dire straits due to lack of funding in 1997? This tall poppy just revealed what the friends of the liquor industry were up to in 1997. And now we find out that Shipley also had defunded the 24-hour Plunkett Line. I hope listeners are really starting to catch on with what this tall poppy means by future proves past. So rounding off, let's roll the clock forward from these 1999 Labour election pledges and compare our findings with this 7th of July 2004 New Zealand Herald article. We read the comment from the Labour Health Minister, Annette King. Miss King told... Today told One News, why would, we putting, why would we be putting more money into one line when we can put them into the health line and still have the service? Mrs Roy said, Clark and King's change of attitude was utterly contemptible. Labour had used and now abused the very parents it purported to support. Going on to say, as far as this government is concerned, Plunkett Line has served its purpose. It was a useful platform to win votes, but nothing more. Well, Child's Free, homegrown phone service had been running for 12 years. At the time of this article 2004, up to 6,000 parents were utilising the service per month. 
This sad story has an even sadder ending because two years on from this initial Labour Party announcement, we read in the next New Zealand Herald article dated the 27th of June 2006. In a last-ditch effort to save the Plunkett line, about 100 protesters presented a 53,000 53, name petition to a group of MPs at Parliament. What was of particular interest to me in this article was the announcement that Helen Clark and Education Minister Steve Mahari said the funding over the next four years was raised was aimed at raising quality in early childhood teaching and that government funding of $30 million to boost numbers of qualified early childhood teachers would kick in the following month of July 2006. So in conclusion, the last minute protest in 2006 fell on deaf ears and one year later in July 2007, the Well Child's Free Line was a thing of the past. The National Council of Women had lobbied long and hard to support the women and children of our nation in an effort to protect the home front. Years of stoic work went out the window at the stroke of a pen, all in the guise of cost-cutting and penny-pinching. But more importantly, as we now discover, these, these strategical manoeuvres were part of a greater plan the erosion of common decency. On a, personal, on a personal note, to this day, I have never forgotten a public statement Helen Clark made to the New Zealanders, beg your pardon, Helen Clark made to one of New Zealand's leading female political journalists of the time, Linda Clark. Linda was expecting twins back in the early 2000s and soon to be joining the ranks of motherhood. Our Prime Minister Helen Clark advised her to get back to work as soon as she can before her mind goes to mush. True story. Now Linda, she did return to work and in 2006 she, she um, made a move out of journalism and she was being interviewed by the New Zealand Listener. I'd just like to read a, a quote out of that New Zealand Listener article. Okay, so bearing in mind this is five years into motherhood for Linda. Linda counsels as she resigns at the peak of her career from one of the most prestigious jobs in current affairs. Quote, All last year I kept mulling over the nonsense that Helen Clark said about getting women out working and dawned to dusk childcare. That was so enraging we were inundated on the, on the nine to noon program with people who were furious about that. But my God, they didn't have to go far to find a champion because I was enraged. No one who has had their child in a dawn to dusk childcare would ever recommend it for anybody. Everybody in the family suffers. Yes, we want to work and have our careers. But workplaces have yet to come to terms with what working and mothering means when they occur side by side. I don't want to, I don't want to go to work at 7.30am and still be working at 10pm at night, which is what I've been doing for four years. I don't think that's good for anybody. Linda says policy makers also tend to always tend to frame the life-work balance problem only in terms of more childcare 
as though that is the solution to the problem, when the real answer will only come from redefining work so that women can feel they are achieving and be perceived as achievers without having their kids parked eternally elsewhere. So from 2007 onwards, this Machiavellian leadership forged full steam ahead, creating incentives for pregnant working women to take paid maternity leave, have their babies, and six months later, palm those bubbers off to a daycare centre. This created a boom in early childhood centres, teachers and affiliated resources, an industry, you could say. So there is so much irony and hypocrisy surrounding all these corrupt manoeuvres Helen Clark made. On a side note, the timing of these Labour Party initiatives coincided with the revolutionary neurological discoveries that were being made by the Aotearoa New Zealand Infant Brain Development Trust, commonly known as Brainwave Trust. This trust was formed in 1998 in response to the mounting scientific evidence regarding crucial brain development in the first three years of a child's life. The Brainwave Trust informs New Zealanders that supporting families in early in the early years of their children's lives will have lasting effects. The Trust promotes the paramount importance of one-on-one -on -one bonding between parent and child. The first three years of a child's life are when the learning pathways are established, which in turn determine future capacity to thrive. The question goes begging, what part of that did Helen Clark miss? And last but not least, we have our current Prime Minister, not duly elected, I might emphasise, due to our confusing political electoral system, but in control all the same as of September 2017. To be honest, I'm not even going to labour, pardon the pun, over Jacinda Ardern. I happen to have it on good authority that Miss Ardern is about to be held accountable for her crimes against humanity that reach way beyond our New Zealand shores. All I will do is lead my daring poppy listeners to research for themselves why our current Labour-led coalition signed Aotearoa's sovereignty over to the United Nations Global Compact for Migration as of December 2018. I trust and respect those listening and following the narrative of the Steering Poppy channel have enough of the picture to draw your own conclusions as to the merits of being aligned with the United Nations. My advice is go back and listen to our leader's own words as she addresses the United Nations Assembly and listen to our Prime Minister proclaim over and over again, words and actions have immeasurable consequences. She also shared with Duncan on the AM show which will be listed in the in the in the recommended links that she that she is basing her decisions on balanced information. She espouses over and over. This relies on three things: evidence, advice, and data. So we have a problem, Houston. I'm sorry to say, folks, but I think someone's speaking with a forked tongue because she is failing to provide up-to-date data in accordance with breakthrough coronavirus therapy using 
hydroxychloroquine, let alone great other greater things. I mean, light, vitamin D, being out in the sun. Our Prime Minister needs to provide the source of all this data and evidence that she has based her decisions on from day one of this operation. We the people need to examine and scrutinise the authenticity of these parliamentary sources. Let's call for an urgent commission of independent inquiry. How about that? Now is the time for transparency. Just got to check my time, excuse me. Anyway. Okay, so last evening's podcast regarding the abortion issue, my advice is to be aware. Don't don't worry about what what needs to put this right. Just be aware that this decision has happened and hold that conviction. Because more importantly, what what we actually need to start to realise is that that there's a mammoth amount of incredible work going on behind the scene. And we're about to find out about just how, how massive that is, and it's going to support us through these unsettled times. But believe me, there is a higher hand of the law in play now. My advice to any listeners who are in doubt as to the trustworthiness of women that are parading the virtues of second-wave second feminism is to please take the time to read up on the history of Ms. Magazine, presented in yesterday's 13th podcast. Pay particular attention to the Gloria Steinem CIA connection. I consider it to be a candy land of editorial evidence, shall we say. I fully intend to print off a few Ms. Magazine colour copies to circulate as well. In closing, I would like to endorse Jacinda Ardern's prophetic wisdom that she advocated before the United Nations General Assembly last September and chime in with, yes, words and actions do have immeasurable consequences. Let's hold that thought as we enjoy the dulcet tones. Here we go. Moving on to the music, our beautiful homegrown breaks co-op, Kiwiana Band, is, is going to grace us today. Um, that actually is a double dip because it, uh, yesterday I ended up posting one of their other beautiful songs, Home. And believe me, you're going to need a box of tissues next to you when, you when you watch that, if you're anything like me. Today's song is Other Side. So, yeah, much gratitude to you wonderful, talented folk. Um, oh, yes, sorry, I have missed something back here. I'm going to keep reposting an interview of Del Bigtree with Zach Bush. I won't talk about that too much more right now, but it's a, it's a keeper, and it's what's going to keep the wind in everyone's sail. So I encourage people to go and make sure that you really absorb that holistic information. Um, going okay. The UNESCO Nuremberg Code, Article 6, Section 1 and 3, keep talking about it, folks, and, and know that we are going to use our rights. It's, it's, this is, um, it's going to buy us time, if nothing else, for the moment, and keep encouraging people to 
identify the adversaries in our midst. Okay, so I really think that's it. Hmm. Oh, it is. Okay. All right, well, this is a tall poppy signing off for now with lashings of love, light, and laughter to all.